0: You'll stay standing for one moment. So, just to let you know, the person running the screen this morning is filling in, doing it for the first time for somebody who couldn't make it. Would you give her a round of applause? Thank you, Kelly. You may be seated. All right. I went back there to check my mic. She said, oh, my gosh. I said, it's all right. All right. So. Uh, This morning uh, we continue in our series reboot and as we do, uh, what uh, we are in is this uh, uh, value that we have called, uh, a part of our mission statement called transforming lives or heart change that leads to life change. And so we talked about it last week and this morning we're going to put some feet kind of on the theology of last week. And uh, look at four, just uh, four tried and true, yeah, it's that kind of morning, uh, tried and true proven principles that I'll tell you will work. At the same time, one of the things I want to do is to introduce to you, perhaps for the first time, or to reacquaint you with just a, a wonderful man of the faith whose name is John Newton. And you'll see his picture there on the screen so john newton referred to himself as the old african blasphemer that's how he referred to himself he was born almost three hundred years ago seventeen twenty five lived a long life died in 1807 and um, this characterization of himself wasn't false humility uh, think of how paul referred to himself as the chief of sinners Newton really felt like that because of what he had done in his life, he indeed was this great African blasphemer. So what was it that he did? Well, as a young man, Newton grew up in church. He, his, uh, his parents took him to a Puritan church, so he had a great foundation, But he, or his mother did, but his mom died. And when his mom died, his dad, who was a sailor, just decided that uh, Newton could come and ride the ships with him. And if Newton wasn't doing that, he could stay at home and do whatever he wanted. And Newton, in his own words, said, I lived a wild life as a teenager. I was able as a teenager to do anything that I wanted. Well, he uh, uh, abandoned his Christian values that he had grown up with and, um, and, uh, until he would get in trouble. And then when he would get in trouble, he would pray again, or he'd read his Bible again, right? He'd go back to these things he knew to do, but there was no, no real heart change. Then on March 21st of 1748, Newton is about 23 years old. He found himself in a life-threatening situation. He was tied to the ship to keep from being thrown overboard. The ship had broken in two, and he, he watched a sailor friend of his wash out into the sea. And when he did, he began to pray. And he... Prayed that God would save him. But then this awful thought came to his mind. I've done too many bad things. I don't think God can save me. But he offered up in that moment a quick prayer, and in that moment, he characterized it as the hour he first believed. The hour he first believed. And then, uh, by this point, Newton was a slave trader. He was motivated by money and power. And he brought slaves uh, to uh, his country of England from the West Indies. And he had done all of this work. And from Africa, it was incredible, the work he had done. But he began to experience true heart change that led to life change. Something began to stir deep inside of him. And when it did, he is still, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, uh, being captain of these slave ships. And all of a sudden, he began praying for those slaves. And when he saw them as people and not as a commodity, when he saw them as uh, people with souls and hearts and lives... He knew he couldn't do it anymore. So he left the slave trading business, became a pastor. In 1800, he was the most widely sought pastor in all of England. People flocked to hear him preach. And he uh, wrote many hymns. His most famous hymn is Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. But now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Newton would live the rest of his life. Young men sought him out for mentoring. He uh, did not have time to preach and mentor and lead because of the influence that he had. And we'll see that as the sermon develops. It is from newton's life and more importantly from romans 12 1 and 2 that we discover four uh, practices every follower of christ i will say to you if you're going to live a life that reflects a change on the inside that results in a life change on the outside here are these four practices number one daily reflect on god's mercies daily reflect on god's mercies look at this I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, Paul has written almost all now of this great treatise of Romans. And in Romans, Paul has dealt with these great, thoughts about what happens to awful sinners when God comes in their lives. And he has uh, talked about these things, and I want to share them with you. You'll see slides on the screen, and Kelly, if you'll bring up the next one, this is from Search for Significance. And I'll put this on the blog sometime later today, but I'll go through these four things that are really the daily mercies of God. What the author of Search for Significance says is that we fall into one, two, three, or four kinds of traps. You see the trap on the left is the performance trap. uh, The false belief, I must meet certain standards in order to feel good about myself. The consequences of that are fear of failure, perfectionism, driven to succeed, manipulating others to achieve success, withdrawing from risks. Do you know God's answer for that? Paul just drills down. Romans 5, when you see it there, is justification. Justification means that God has not only forgiven you of your sins, but has also granted to you the righteousness of Christ. Because of justification, you bear Christ's righteousness and are therefore fully pleasing to the Father. I would say this to you my favorite way. Some people have said justification is just as if you had never sinned. I love this. Being justified is just as if you had always obeyed. God views you just as if you had always obeyed. That is the gift given to every born again follower of Jesus Christ. And that is what you and I must daily reflect on. I'm going to give you a tool to do that. But daily reflect on is that if you are born again, when God looks at you, he does not see you. He sees his son Jesus and he sees you in Christ. He sees you righteous before him. Now, you may have a broken record of all the sins you've committed playing through your mind, but that's not in God's mind. All right, let's go to the next one. The approval addict. I must be approved or accepted by certain others in order to feel good about myself. The consequences of those who live in this world, they fear rejection, attempted to please others at any cost, Overly sensitive to criticism, withdrawing from others to avoid disapproval. What is God's answer to you? Reconciliation. Reconciliation means that although I was once at one time hostile toward God and alienated from Him, you are now forgiven and it been brought into an intimate relationship with Him. Consequently, you're totally accepted by God. You're totally accepted by him. It matters not if others accept you. It matters not what others think about you. If the king of the universe says you're in, you're completely mine, you're totally accepted by me, why are you worried about what others think about you? Why are you clamoring for the approval of others? The third place where we can land, the next slide is the blame game. The false belief, those who fail are unworthy of love and deserve to be punished. The consequences of that, if you live in that world, is the fear of punishment, punishing others, blaming others for personal failure, withdrawal from God and others, driven to avoid failure. What's God's answer? Big word. Might be your word of the day. Propitiation. Propitiation means that Christ satisfied God's wrath by his death on the cross. Therefore, uh, you are deeply loved by God. God's wrath towards your sin was not poured out on you. You say, Jerry, what if it had been? You and I would be in hell today. You and I would be lost forever. But God's wrath was poured out on his son. This is why Jesus on the cross screamed, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because the wrath of God for the sins of all humanity were poured out on him that day. All right, so number four, the shame game. I am what I am. I cannot change. I am hopeless. All right, some of you are there this morning. You have sinned again and again and again. And you have concluded that there's no way you'll ever be different. There's no way you'll ever change. You are who you are. You will do what you will do. It is the shame game. Uh, The consequences, feelings of shame, hopelessness, inferiority, passivity, loss of creativity, isolation, withdrawal from others. Do You know what God's answer is? Regeneration. Regeneration means that I'm a new creation in Christ. When you come to God by faith in Christ, he takes the old heart out. He replaces that heart of stone with the heart of flesh. He gives you a new way of thinking. He makes you into a new man or a new woman, into a new teenager. And all of a sudden, those old things that you once did, you don't do anymore. All of those things that you once did, you don't do anymore. And if you slip up and do them, there's this sense of sorrow over it that you didn't experience before. You disappoint the Father, and you so want to make it right. God puts a new heart in you. Last week, I talked about Harold Wilson in this service, talked about Jay Glenn. Well, into the second service walks Ishmael Krasan. Ishmael is walking into the second service i don't know how many of you know ish he's 75 years old drives the dump trucks retired about eight times And so so ish is walking in and when he walks in he's been sick and shine his wife has been sick And they're walking in and as they are i look at ish and look at shine and i said "Ish, it's just good to see you back This morning he said oh no place i'd rather be than right here i've so missed being here I said, well, Ish, we've missed having you. Now, what you've got to know about Ish is eight years ago, Ish wouldn't think of walking through the door of a church. And eight years later, he can't imagine being anywhere else but here. And at the end of the service, down the aisle, walks Ishmael and Sean Croissant, And he comes down to me, and he said, I've just come to tell you this morning, and we told the whole church, you can run a long time, but God's going to get you. That's what it is. At age 75, God has captured his heart. God has changed him from the inside out. And here he is just serving and worshiping God. That's regeneration. Amen? God doing a work on the inside that makes a change on the outside. What I'm saying to you this morning is that you and I must develop a practice of daily, daily remembering the mercies of God. Daily remembering his mercies, these things of reconciliation and regeneration and justification and propitiation must become the fiber of who we are and our thinking it must. How did John Newton do that? I think probably other than the song Amazing Grace's most famous quote. He was well aged when he said this although my memory's fading i remember two things very clearly i am a great sinner and christ is a great savior amen amen number two daily present your body to jesus daily reflect on god's mercies number two daily present your body to jesus the greeks and greek culture was pervasive during even all of Roman rule, the Greeks had a low view of the body. They referred to the body as the tomb for the soul. So the body was not to be respected at all. If Greeks were alive today and saw all the selfies taking place, they'd throw up. They couldn't imagine taking a picture of your body. So Paul's suggesting that the body is the actual way that God works would have been completely countercultural. We read it today and go, oh yeah. But they would have read it then and gone, what? Present your body, this thing, which simply is a tomb for the soul. And the words Paul uses to describe are technical words connected to the Old Testament sacrificial system. Listen to the words when you put them all together living, holy, acceptable, spiritual, and worship. In the Old Testament, sacrifices were a part of worship, and every single one was living when they brought it, right? Uh, Until they killed it, it was alive. All right? And so they would bring it, and it was the choice animal. It was holy and therefore acceptable, and that was their spiritual act of worship. However, there is a marked change here. Don't miss it. Wilkins says it is no longer what we give that God demands. He demands the giver. Wow. It isn't what you bring. It's you. He wants you. He's not looking for your gift. He's looking for you. You are the gift. Your body is the gift, your mind, your heart. You're the gift. It is not what you bring in your hand anymore. It is not the choice lamb you can find. No, it is not excellent service that you can give. No, it it is you. That's Romans 12.1. Present yourself, your body to God as a living sacrifice. Well, if we push this, You might say in the Old Testament they brought a lamb without blemish. How can I bring myself without blemish? Well, if you reflect daily on the mercies of God, you realize that God views you without what? Blemish. That's his perspective of you. You have been granted the righteousness of Christ. God sees you just as if you had always obeyed. He sees you just as if you had always obeyed. The word spiritual here has puzzled commentators for years. What is meant by it? A spiritual act or service of worship. The word literally means logical. It literally means logical or reasonable. Some translations will say reasonable, thoughtful, intelligible. Uh, Well, it involves both the mind and the heart instead of going through the motions. Both the mind and the heart instead of going through the motions. Friday night, we had Night to Shine here, and you saw the video at the beginning of the service. What an amazing night it was. Amen? It was just so neat. And so other uh, Night to Shines, I've been working in one location and in that location all night. But this, uh, this uh, last Friday, I just floated around and, and watched and observed and jumped in and helped wherever I was uh, needed at the time. I was so blown away. Uh, Trent had a game, and and so I left, went to his game, came back, and as I was pulling out of the parking lot to go to Trent's game, I I prayed and said, Lord, thank you for these people. Uh, Because what I observed is I went out to the front, there's the the parking crew, there's vans bringing people down from Greenlee Church, who was so gracious to give us their their parking, and uh, and then there's a, there, there are tents and a crew of of folks who are registering everybody and making sure they get their, their 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 lanyards and all the volunteers get their lanyards and the limousines are lined up, and the viper and they're the people who are just making sure everybody gets in those and and then there's a little tent back here that's got all the food in it, and it's coming through these two doors here and there's like 20 30 people that are dressed nicely and they're serving all the tables these plated meals and that's just flowing and coming and going and I go next door and uh, the youth building is packed with caregivers Packed with caregivers and they're receiving a meal and coffee and dessert in a couple of reading rooms where They can just go chill and relax and then I go into here and get a couple makeup lessons I didn't know that you ladies could like spray faces on and so there's stuff happening in there that I've never seen in my life uh, before and so all of that's going on and then I get terrified because Glenda Glenn's doing hair and uh, I said, Glenda, do you do hair? She said, tonight I do. And, uh, and so she's doing hair, and other people are doing hair, and there's a shoe shining station, and then I go into the sensory room, and wow, that place was just incredible with all the different things, and security folks are just everywhere doing what they do, and then I go out to the dance floor, and that's ungodly, and so so I left, because I'm not going to be part of such sin. Um, but at any rate, the, uh, the, 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 they're tearing it up out there. And Alan Michaels using like one of his two spiritual gifts, which is dancing, and, uh, and leading his crew out there. People are dancing, and the, these folks are just having an amazing time. And it's all going on at one time. We had, I think, 187 participants, 189, something like that. 350 volunteers landed here Friday night working and serving and doing it's just unreal. That's what this means. It's everybody doing what it is you do. That, that's what it means. Everybody just using your, your bodies as a living sacrifice. Just, that's what, it's a bunch of, bunch of people using their bodies as living sacrifices Friday night. Don't overcomplicate this. Don't overthink it. I prefer the word logical here, reasonable. It's just the reasonable thing you do for the king. That's just what it means. It's a reasonable thing you do. Again, John Newton says, this is our attitude while doing it, I am not what I ought to be. Oh, wow. I am not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be in another world. But still, I am not what I once used to be. Can anybody say Amen. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. That's our posture, isn't it? As we offer our bodies. Oh, it's not perfect. It's not polished. No, it's us. It's us doing what we do to the best of our ability for the glory of God and the good of others. Number three, this is big. Daily refuse the world's mold. This is big. We don't need a bunch of dirty bodies offering ourselves up. Just because you're justified, and reconciled, and regenerated doesn't mean that temptation is not alluring, does it? We're still prone to wonder, aren't we? We're still prone to sin. The, the word is do not be conformed to this word. The, the word conformed means to fit into a pattern or mold. Please hear me. Please hear me. The world has its own uh, philosophy of love, its own philosophy of relationships, of money, of sex, of material belongings, of status, of importance, of power and pleasure. The world has its own system. It has its own ideas. And it will never stop trying to push you into it. There will never be a moment's break. You will never arrive at a place to where the world is not trying to press you into its mold. Do not be fooled. Do not think that somehow you'll get to a place where the world says, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. No, the world will always be the world, and the world will always press in and on and around you until you are shaped just like the world, and people are go, like we said last week, those are the people of God. Those are the people of God. so 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 you must daily this is not just once a month maybe i should check in and check up no daily 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 you must refuse the world's mold you must refuse the world's mold it will forever try to mold you what was john newton's motivation for trading slaves before he came to christ a worldly view of success a worldly view of success power and money Daily, you will have to refuse the world's mold. You'll have to do it daily. I'll just give you a super simple example of how this happened in my life. So I went early to see the accountant for my taxes this year. And when I did, I was shocked. I was like, you're kidding me. And so with the new tax code, it turns out that like 5% of Americans, it messes them up totally. And the accountant looked at me and said, I'm sorry to tell you, but you fall into that 5%. And all that you paid in and all that you've done is nowhere near close to what you owe. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding. Well, I got mad. I don't know who, I, at who it was, I was just mad. So I'm like, mad at indiscriminate people. I know I'm the only one in the room who's ever done that, and that's why you're laughing. But I was. So that was Friday. I'm mad and I'm mad and I'm mad and then uh, come here and, and, you know, redirect. But I get up yesterday morning and yesterday's psalm, the very first verse, I couldn't make it past it. It says, give thanks to the Lord in all things. Huh. So I, I sat there like, well, okay, I get you, God. And you're, you're, you're nailing me between the eyes right now. How do I thank God for taxes? <laughs> and then I thought of all the countries I've traveled to where you have to bribe your way in and out of everything. And I began to pray. And God began to lift me up. The... the little church I grew up in, we sang this old song, lift me up above the shadows, plant my feet on higher ground. And I began to pray, and all the things for which I could be thankful kept rolling and rolling and rolling through my mind. And I grabbed my journal, and I began to write, and it occurred to me that the things that mattered most, God had done the best in and all of a sudden, all of that other was in its right place. I, I spent too many hours being pushed into the world's mold on Friday. And it took just a few minutes to break me out Saturday morning. That's my point. That's Paul's point. And I'm just saying, if you're waiting for Sunday morning for that to happen, you must have a really good, easy life. Because you will be thinking and talking and acting like the world before you know it. Number four. Well, let me me quote Newton again. This is faith. A renouncing of everything we are apt to call our own and relying wholly upon the blood, righteousness, and intercession of Jesus. Number four, daily receive God's renewal. It's a bit awkwardly worded, but it's because that's how it's stated in the original language. Both conform and transform are in the passive tense. It means there are things that are done to you. The world conforms you. You don't do it. The world does it to you if you let it. Neither do you transform your own life. God does that to you. He transforms you if you let Him. That's the point. The world is an active agent conforming people to its mold, and the Spirit of God is an active agent transforming people into the character of Jesus Christ. The world will never stop trying to form you into its mold. But hear me on this. The Spirit will never stop trying to transform you into the character of Christ. The world will never stop, but the Spirit will never stop either. You've got to know that. Look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. This is a beautiful passage. And we all, that's all the believers in the room, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. So that's not now. We can never do that now. All right. But one day we will, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Do you know what God is doing? He is just one degree at a time, transforming you into the image and the character of Christ. One degree at a time. You have to be patient, right? And if you're a parent, you got to be patient with your kids, because that's how he's working on them. And if you're a kid, you got to be patient with your parents, because that's how he's working on them. And if you're a husband, you have to be patient with your spouse, uh, with your wife, because that's how he's working on her. Same with the wife to, to the husband. One degree of glory, one degree at a time. Or 2 Corinthians 4, next chapter. So we do not lose heart. I just want to say, don't lose heart, right? If you just say, I so don't measure up. Well, welcome to, welcome to the crowd. Neither do we. Uh though the outer self is wasting away our inner self is being renewed day by day all right so while your body is just wasting away god is working on the inside and day did you see that day by day renewing you but that won't happen unless you daily reflect on his mercies Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me this morning? It will not happen unless you are daily reflecting on his mercies. Like if there's something that I could just infuse into you, it would be a desire to wake up early in the morning and jump into the word of God and let God's word get into you to where that you're changed, to where that something begins to happen on the inside of you. I would just so desire that for you. Remember years ago, Evelyn Langley said to me, Jerry, I am not a morning person. I've never been a morning person. Would you pray that God makes me a morning person so I can wake up early and get into his word? I said, sure. God did it. Just changed her. Woke her up early with that desire. Transformed. What does this word mean? Well, the word is metamorphosis and We know if you've studied science what that that makes you think of, but I'll tell you my favorite description of this word is found in the Bible itself. Do you remember when Jesus told uh, uh, James, John, and uh, Peter uh, to come with him and they were going to go up on a mountain and they went up on a mountain and what happened to Jesus on that mountain? He was transfigured right before their very eyes. like his clothes, his skin was shiny, his clothes were, I mean, it was a total, total change. That's the word. That's the word, same word, only used four times in the New Testament, same word. What does this mean? It means when God begins to work in you, he can change everything about you. Like he'll he'll, he'll do it, one degree of glory at a time. Now for Jesus, just like that, none of us are Jesus, all right? Not going to happen, it's going to be a little bit at a time. So how is your mind renewed then by the Spirit of God using the Word of God? This is how God works, spirit using the word, spirit using the word. John Stott, that great English uh, uh, scholar, pastor, notes three stages of transformation. He He says, our mind is renewed by the word and the spirit of God. Then we can discern and desire the will of God. Then we are increasingly transformed by it. All right, so if you're here this morning you say, I'm trying to figure out God's will on something. If that's you, get in the word. That's what I would say to you. And your mind will be transformed. Then you'll discern the will of God. And then when you do the will of God, you're, you'll be transformed. All right? Did you get that? You get in the Word. Your mind is changed. Then you know the will of God. And when you do the will of God, that's when life change happens. All right? I'm just so afraid you're not getting this. So I'm going to say it one more time. All right. When you... trying to figure out the will of god don't start with the problem that you're trying to figure out get into the word of god and god will change your mind by the word then you will know the will of god and then when you do the will of god your life will change do you see all that comes ahead of that the changed life comes in knowing and doing i was going to show you a video i'm just going to kind of forego that i'll add it to the blog this afternoon John Newton's last quote was, I am still in the land of the dying. I shall be in the land of the living soon. So I brought this morning a tool, and we ordered some. And if we run out, we can order more, or you can Amazon it if you if you Amazon. Or actually, ChristianBook.com has the best deal on this. I was given this by Alla Michael as a gift for Christmas this year, new Morning, mercies, Paul David Tripp. Um, I have yet to read a devotional that so reminds me of justification, of regeneration, of these great truths of the gospel than this. It is absolutely phenomenal. And every single day, it pulls me right back to where I need to be. It's rich, it's thick, it's daily, and it's gospel-centered. New Morning Mercies. There's some available at the Next Steps desk. You can grab them, uh, grab one. uh, They're $15. um, Covers the cost of it. You can grab it as you go. I would encourage you to do that if the gospel is slipping from your mind we're going to end today it just makes sense that we do this with newton's best in my opinion hymn amazing grace would you stand and we're going to sing this just old school all right
1: We'll sing it out yeah. church
0: Know if we have these words up, but the third verse is through many dangers, toils and snares, let's sing it. Through
1: many dangers, toils, I have already come. I have already come. His grace has brought Save me, be save us far, and grace will bring, will bring me home when we've been there. When we've been there, ten thousand feet. Oh, that's beautiful. Sing it out.
0: From grace,
1: we're so helpless. We're
0: reminded this morning the change that you did at salvation, you put a new heart in daily. You you so want to change us. For those in this room who've lost sight of that, I pray that hundreds tomorrow morning will wake up with a desire to be in your word. And I pray if that desire does not exist, that they would call out to you and ask you for it. No quick fixes. pray for your keeping grace your growing grace your protecting grace i pray that living rooms and kitchen tables will become places of worship to God, I pray that marriages would be restored around your word. That teenagers would come back to you through your word. That young adults who are wondering would come home around your word. That bosses would love their staff around your word. God, be gracious to these people. I love them. Make your face to shine upon them tomorrow morning, early, and bless them tomorrow morning, early, that your way may be known in their homes, in their marriages, at school, at work. In their dorms, to their patients, with their clients, with the kids they teach, with the staff they lead, with the children they love. In Jesus' name, amen. As you're leaving this morning... If you are not plugged into a group tonight i am preaching tonight at six i'll be in my group early at cross memorial baptist church a sermon i've never preached before on heaven